Amen. Well, thank you, worship team. And thank you again for being here uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter 3, 15 is going to be our base verse this morning. We're going to uh, be around a lot in different places, but you can also read on the screens with us. Well, hey, today uh, we are concluding our final uh, part in our four-week series called As We Go. So we have been uh, looking at what it means to be a witness for Christ, to witness as we go out and live our daily lives, our everyday lives, and just how can we truly make an impact for Christ with the circles of influence, the people that Jesus has already put uh, in our lives. And so that's what we've been looking at. How can we share the gospel with people over these last few weeks? And so we're going to conclude this series uh, today. And as I told you earlier, so two weeks from today on March 6th, we're going to start our spring sermon series and go through the gospel of Mark. Uh, But next week, I'm really excited and happy to say that we're going to have a guest preacher with us next week, a guest speaker, and his name is Bob Bumgarner. He is the lead missional strategist for the Jacksonville Baptist Association. So uh, the JBA, the Jacksonville Baptist Association, has many, I believe over 200, I I think that's right, uh, churches around the Jacksonville area. Bob is the leader of and director of that association, and so uh, Bob is an excellent uh, communicator. He's a great friend of mine uh, and a mentor as well. And so he's been just a wonderful person uh, to know and also just to um, just gain wisdom from. So I love Bob. He's excellent. He will be with us sharing next week. Now, just to be clear, I know some people think, oh, well, if the pastor is not going to be here, I can skip church and he will never know. Guess what? I will be here next week, just so you know. Okay. So I will know who's here and who's not. All right. Uh, <laughs> so I'll be here next week. Uh, I'm teaching Discover Kernan uh, before the service, and then I'm leading our community group leader training next Sunday after the service. So if you're a community group leader, uh, don't forget we have training next Sunday after the service, uh, and lunch will be provided, so don't worry. Um, but anyway, so I will be here, but Bob, uh, I just think it'll be a blessing for us to hear from him uh, next week, so please make plans to be here. All right, well, hey, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for your holy word. We thank you that you are a God who wants to be known, that you have revealed yourself to us through your word. And so I pray today that as we look at your word, Lord, that you would truly speak to our hearts, that you would remove any distractions in our minds that would hinder us or keep us from truly hearing what you have for us now. So bless us, Lord, as we look to your word. Help us to understand how we can truly be a witness as we go out and live our lives in this world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So just to kind of recap what we've already looked at uh, in the series already, we kind of started out with the situation at hand and the bad news, right? So the bad news is when we're thinking about engaging uh, a world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to first understand that there is bad news. The bad news is that humanity is separated from God. 
because of our own choosing, right? Because of our own sin, our sin has separated the human race from God, our maker, our creator. And the bad news is, on top of that, that we cannot do anything to recover this, right? So we can't do anything uh, to get back to God on our own, right? So it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter how good of a person you think you are or you have tried to be, right? It doesn't matter if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds at the end of your life when you stand before God. That is not what matters. The bad news is there's nothing we can do to repair this broken relationship between us and our creator. But there's good news. The good news is that we can be, there is a way. There is a way for us to be reconciled with our creator, with God. We can have a relationship with God. The good news is, even though we can't do anything about that, someone has done something about that. Jesus Christ, God himself, became human and lived the life that you and I could never live. He died the death that you and I should have died as a penalty for our rebellion against our creator. He died that death in our place as our substitute. He took the punishment of God on himself so that you don't have to take it. And in exchange, we get freedom. We get life. We get eternal life with God, not separated from him. So that's the good news that we can be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. And then after that, we looked at how Jesus gave the great commission, we call it, to his followers before he left the earth to go back to heaven. He gave this commission and he said that we should make disciples. And so that means a lot of different things, but ultimately it means that we should go out in this world and share the good news of Jesus with others so that they can know God, so that they can be reconciled to God, so that they can experience the same grace that we have experienced. And so Jesus gave us that commission to go out in this world as we go out and live our lives and make disciples. But then we talked about where. Where do we make disciples? Well, wherever God has placed you, with the people in your circles of influence. Remember we had the little handout and I challenged you to write names down in those different categories of places that you spend your time. It could be a family member. It could be a relative. right? It could be a coworker or someone that you've done business with. It could be just a friend that you know through a random activity or maybe from your kid's school practice or ball practice, kids or students. It could be a, a classmate. It could be someone that lives in the dorm room next to you. It could be wherever you already are. It's the places that God has put us that are so important for us to re recognize and see with fresh eyes the lostness around us, the darkness around us, the people who are in desperate need of a message of hope. And so that's, that's where, right? That's where we want to share the gospel. And then the next question we asked was how? How do we do this? So we, we know the importance of it. We, we understand the context, but what do we do? And so we talked, right, a lot last week about investing. How important it is for us to invest in people's lives and become friends with non-Christians. We talked about how if you are truly seeking to bring the message of eternal life and hope through Jesus to your friends and, and the people in your circles of influence who don't know Jesus, 
If that truly matters to you, then you will do whatever it takes. You'll do whatever it takes to get to know them better, to understand their beliefs and their heart, and to build connections with them in hopes of eventually actually sharing the good news of Jesus with them. But we talked about the importance of building that trust in a friendship so that when the moment happens, when the time comes for you to talk explicitly about Christ, it's not even that awkward or weird because you're already friends and you're already engaging in meaningful conversation. So that kind of brings us to where we are today. And the first question I want us to look at is, how will I know? How will I know when the time is right to talk about the gospel. So if you've been getting to know this person and you've been having meaningful conversations with them, or again, I understand, hey, it could be a family member you've known your whole life, but maybe you've just now made this intentional effort to really start having better, meaningful conversations with them about life. How will you know when the time is right to actually say, have you ever considered or talked about your faith with Jesus, right? And so how do you, how do you know to get to that point? So in 1 Peter 3.15, I want us to look at this again and look what Peter says, right? He says, in your heart, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. But what does he say? Always being prepared. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, there's one obvious thing here, that if people are asking you, why you have this hope in you, you know what that means? They've observed it. That means that they have already seen in your life through your words, through your actions, through your attention to them and your care for them and your investment in their lives. You know what? They've observed that you are living with this great hope. It doesn't mean that you're living some perfect life because you're not, right? I mean, we're all sinful and we're still going to continue to make lots of mistakes. Absolutely. But what they realize is that you have a hope in you. There is something different about you. You have a hope that drives deep into your heart that nothing else seems to shake. And they ask you, man, how are you getting through this? Or how do you, you know, why, why are you so hopeful? Or where, where is your joy, right? So Peter is saying, we have to always be prepared if people, if we're living and engaging with people and investing in their lives and having meaningful conversations, they're going to notice you. They're going to notice that hope, that faith. And so I think talking about Christ with someone may come up more naturally than you think if you're truly getting to know them in this way. So Peter says we have to always be prepared. Always be prepared, right? And so we should do this with gentleness and respect, he adds. But we should always be ready to talk about the gospel. Now, if you remember last week, we looked at the examples of Jesus with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, right? And Paul in Athens in Acts chapter 17, now, for sake of time today, we don't have time to go back into those texts, but John 4 and Acts 17, we see these examples of Jesus and Paul. And both of those accounts are such good examples of meeting people where they are, but also being prepared to share, right? Being prepared to talk about the gospel with people. So if you think about 
What we talked about last week, right? Building those connections with people, uh, getting to know them better. At that point, right, you should already be having these meaningful conversations with them. And when I say meaningful, I mean talking about things in life that matter and that are important to them, not just important to you, right? Not just small talk. So if you're already having those kinds of deeper conversations, there will be plenty There will be plenty of opportunities for you to bring up your faith and share the gospel. You won't have to wait for the clouds in the sky to, you know, move around and form the letters now. Do it now, right? You can know. You'll just know because you should always be prepared. And when the door is open, walk through it. You'll know the time is right because you'll already be talking about something of importance, whether good or bad. You know, in our conversation, just, just think about the conversations you have with people. I mean, how often are our conversations about something truly sad, right? We, we talk with people all the time about, about sickness, about a loved one who's potentially or possibly battling a disease. We talk with people about grieving the loss of a loved one. But then we also have serious conversations that aren't necessarily inherently bad, right? But you talk with your friends about marriage about your marriage, you talk with your friends about parenting. We all talk with our friends about our life goals and our dreams and the things we want to do, right? We, we all talk to at least probably someone about our fears and, and our anxieties. And so, you see, if you're already talking to people about important things, then the door is already wide open to share about Jesus. So the question is, are we going to have the courage to walk through that door? So we need to pray for that courage. But also, what are some things, what are some things that we can say in those conversations to really turn it from a good conversation to a gospel conversation? Well, I've quoted Randy Newman a good bit uh, because his book, Mere Evangelism, is just so good on this topic but he gives some examples in his book that I want to share with you. These are just some things you could say to kind of transition the conversation from something you're already talking about that's important, but transition it to talking about actually Jesus, right? You can say something like, you know, I, I think we can be sure about our life after death. You see that? That's just a bridge, right? That's just a transitional statement. So you're already talking about maybe the death of of a loved one or a terminal illness. And so you say, and this takes some boldness and some courage, but you say something like, you know, I believe we can be sure about our life after death. And then you can turn it there, right? Or you could say something like this. I've found something that helps me deal with deep, deep guilt and regret, right? I mean, how often are we hearing people talk about things they regret or, or guilt that they may carry, Right? Just say, you know, I've found something that really helps me with my guilt and regret. There's an open door right there. Or you could say this, just a little more bluntly, but tactfully and respectfully, you could say, have you ever considered issues of faith? Right? Have you ever considered Christianity or issues of faith? You could say this, do you ever wonder what happens after we die? Right? Or you could just say this, well, after listening, right, a lot to them, you could say, well, here's what I believe. And just go into it. It's really not that difficult. I'll admit it can be scary and it can be frightening, right? Because we don't want, you know, so many of us, we we don't want to come across as being some kind of, you know, we would say like a Bible thumper or whatever. But listen, but listen, eternity is at stake. So 
you're going to have to be a little bold. But now Peter says to do it with gentleness and respect, right? So can we be gentle and can we be respectful, but also talk about our beliefs? Absolutely. Yes. So we do have to be a little bold. So say, well, here's what I believe, but say that after you've listened to what they believe, right? Or you could say, let me tell you what Christians believe, right? So what you say will depend on the context of the conversation, of course, but we have to look we have to look for those open doors then to be bold to make that transition to something about Jesus. So how will you know if the time is right? You'll know. It will be right when you see that door when having that meaningful conversation. So if we are to always be prepared, as Peter says, always be prepared, right? Then that means we need to actually prepare, all right? So we have to actually prepare. And so are you prepared, right? That's the question I want to ask. In other words, do you know what to say? Now, that's the next question we're going to look at today. What should I say? So we've talked about getting, do you see the progression here? Like from the beginning of this series until this moment now where we're about to conclude. It's all been leading up to this point where we finally are in that moment with this friend or this family member and we're ready, we're walking through the door. We've made that transitional statement. We've already been talking about something important to them in their lives. And now the question is, what should I say? And this is the nerve wracking part. So we use the phrase, sharing the gospel all the time, right, in the church world because it's biblical, but I'm not sure that many Christians really know what that entails or what, we, what to actually say. Again, Randy Newman says we should trust God to do the impossible work of conversion that only he can do. That sets us free from the pressure to say all we can possibly say in a minute. It doesn't all ride on that one conversation and it doesn't all rely on us. I mean, think about that right? I think sometimes we think, oh my goodness, I have 60 seconds to tell this person everything about Jesus Christ. It's okay, right? Like, take your time. You don't have to say everything in one minute, right? You don't have to squeeze it all in in one minute and just sound like a robot, right? That's not what the Lord is asking you to do, right? But still, but still, we need to think through the key components of the gospel and how to articulate them in different conversations and, yes, quite possibly in one complete conversation in one moment. So to help us do that, I want us to look at a really helpful tool for sharing the gospel, and this is made available to us uh, through the North American Mission Board, which is a missions entity that we support here. So uh, a portion of our tithes and offerings that we give every week, a portion of that goes to the North American Mission Board, um, who is just really awesome. That entity is just fantastic, and they do a great job of getting the gospel uh, around North America through church planting and sin relief and other uh, ways. But they have given a, a tool for us to use as um, as people who support them and as Christians called Three Circles. All right, so Three Circles is the name of this tool. And so we're going to do something a little different. All right, we're going to do something a little different today uh, that I've actually, I don't think I've ever done this, at least um, 
not here at Kernan. So, um, so this is something that I want us to walk through this together on the screen uh, so we can really grasp the basics of the gospel message together. So again, what question are we answering right now? What should I say, right? So this is what we should say, right? The principles of what we should say as we're sharing the gospel uh, with someone so we can always be prepared. So this is the preparation. This is part of it, right? We have to prepare ourselves to think about what we would say to someone about the gospel. So think of this as a uh, gospel conversation guide, right? You see the word guide there, life conversation guide, right? So I'm not saying that you have to say everything exactly like I'm about to say it. Absolutely not, right? But if you are fearful, if you are fearful of sharing the gospel because you don't know what to say, then I would say memorize this. You would need to memorize this, and I'm going to give you some resources later to do that. But memorizing this diagram along with the corresponding scripture verses will help you remember in the moment those important points of the gospel that do need to be made as you're sharing with someone, okay? So yes, this is going to take some effort on your part, but if we're going to always be prepared, as Peter said, then we need to put the work in to this that we need to, right? Because it is absolutely worth it. It's absolutely worth it for you to take the time to memorize this if you even lead just one person, one soul to eternal life in Jesus Christ, amen? So, when sharing the gospel with someone, you're essentially sharing the story of God with them. The same story the Bible tells us, but there are some significant points that if you memorize, will help you deliver this in a more natural and conversational manner. Okay? So here we go. So, the first point that is helpful to make is about God's design. Genesis 1, verse 31, the first part of verse 31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. So God designed the world in such a way that everything would work and operate around him, including us, including humans. We were created to know God and to love him and to worship him. God's original design for this world was truly good. But something called the Bible calls sin came into the picture. You see, sin is any departure from God's good design for us. So when we sin, we directly disobey God and we live outside of that design. We, we make a conscious decision to live outside the design that God has for us, his good intentions for us. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. So the really bad news is that our sin separates us from God forever. You know, when we look at the sin in the world what do we see? We see brokenness. It's amazing how far this world has gotten from God's good and original design for this world and for our lives. Our own sin leads to brokenness in our lives. 
Sin leads to brokenness. That's what it does. In our world and in our personal lives, when we try to live apart from the design that God's given us, when we try to live apart from God's design for us, things just won't work out. They just don't work out. And we're just never going to be satisfied. We're always going to have this longing that we were made for something greater, but we try to find that meaning and purpose in things that are temporary. So this is really bad news for us. I feel it in my own heart. I see it in my own life, don't you? The brokenness that we see all around us is truly because of our sin. But there's hope. There's real hope. It becomes obvious that we're all broken people and we're in big trouble with our creator. So we need a remedy. We need a solution. Is there any way that we can actually know God? Like, is there a way that we can be reconciled to him? And yes, there is. It was really good news, actually. You see, God didn't leave us without a way of escape from this problem, from our sin. He sent Jesus, his son, to rescue us. And he did that by living a perfect life according to God's design. You know, me and you, we, we can't live according to God's design, but Jesus did. He lived according to that design perfectly. So he really did live the life you and I should have lived. And then he died the death that you and I should have died for our sin. Jesus died in your place. It's beautiful. Colossians 2.14 tells us that Jesus did this by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. You know, that should have been me. That should have been you on the cross receiving the judgment of God. But instead, Jesus took that on himself instead of us. He really did pay that penalty. He paid that penalty for you. And then Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive because God the Father accepted that payment of sin. So there's no reason for Jesus to stay dead. Jesus defeated the power of sin and death forever through his death and resurrection. You know, the Bible tells us that if we turn away from our sin, if we repent and believe that we can have a relationship with God. So, you know, having knowledge of Jesus and even believing that he did these things, that's really not enough. You know, I've, I've struggled with that myself. In growing up in church, I always heard about Jesus, but that was never enough, just knowing the facts. And just even going to church is not enough. We must actually turn away from our sin. And all our efforts to rescue ourselves from our own brokenness, we just can't do it. We'll never be good enough, no matter how hard we try. You know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that word repent is a word we use in our Christian language, and it's in the Bible. To repent means to turn away from our sin and trying to save ourselves. We must ask God to forgive us of our sins and, and to turn to Jesus to rescue us and save us. Romans 10, 9 tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
If you do this, then Jesus' record becomes yours. God adopts you into his family and, and gives you a completely new direction and a new purpose. And so that means that you can now recover and pursue God's original design for your life. How awesome is that? As a Christian, you can begin to pursue God's design and purpose for your life because he gives you the Holy Spirit of God to live inside of you. The more you walk with Jesus, the more you get to know Jesus, the more you will see how he truly intends for this world to operate. And, and you'll start to see how, how you can live in this world he created for his glory and for the good of others. Living for that design he created. Now you can truly live for God and you can live for God in every part of your life. Philippians 2.13 tells us, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So at this point in the conversation that you're having with this person, you've presented the gospel. Now, I want to be clear again. I don't expect you to memorize everything I just said. That's not what I'm saying. This isn't supposed to be robotic, right? It's supposed to flow naturally. So I tried to present that as conversationally as I could to all of you instead of just one person. <laughs> but I want you to understand that it's those basic points, see the circles? If you can memorize this diagram in your head, right, and you may even want to just draw it out for the person to see, that's fine, right? So if you can do that, if you can memorize this, I think you can have that conversation very naturally. So at this point, though, you'd be, you can say something like, so what do you think about that, <laughs> Right? a great question. What do, you, what do you think about all that? Or you could say, so this truth about Jesus requires a response from everyone. And the great thing is, you can respond right now if you'd like. You can pray and ask God to truly forgive you and, and to give you a new life through Jesus. Would you like to do that now? I can, I can help you do that. And then, you know, I would say just tell them to pray out loud to God and, and tell him what they're thinking. I think it's really beautiful when people pray to accept the Lord in, in a variety of, of ways, but I love to hear people pray just on their own and, and just be honest with God, like as raw as it is, right? Because there's no certain formula, you know? Like there's no, there's no magic words to say. And I, and I think it's very beautiful if you guide the person before they pray and then let them do the praying. I think it's very special. So the idea here is, is not, again, not to be like some program or robotic or come across like a rehearsed speech, right? But that's why I like this tool. That's why I like this three circles because it's not a script. It allows you to remember the main points while speaking in a way that isn't awkward as you are sharing the gospel. So there's a really cool way to do this that I think... Um, I want to challenge you and encourage you to do. So, of course, you can draw, the, you can draw it, right? Um, <clears throat> so you can, you can draw this out, okay? But also, there's an app. Of course, there's an app for that, right? <laughs> there's an app for sharing the gospel. And uh, it's really helpful. So I think this is a really neat tool to have because you can uh, use your phone, right? You can even show the person, right? So you can show the person as you're going through each slide, right? And it'll fill in the circles just like it did here on the screen. 
Um, but also it has the Bible verses on here for you that are, that are tied to what you're talking about in that moment with the circles. Um, and so it's just really, really good. It's a free app. So just uh, go in the uh, app store on your iPhone or Google Play and search for Life on Mission, Life on Mission, and you'll see the Three Circles app. Uh, download that, please. Please download that very soon on your phones. Um, it's just going to be a great tool for you to have. If nothing else, you can just kind of memorize it, you know, maybe spend a few minutes every day just looking at it yourself, memorizing it, and then you're ready, right? So try to download the app if you can. I think that will be uh, very helpful for you guys um, as, you, as you try to think about how to present and what to say. Well, <clears throat> at this point, though, so let's say that you have led someone to the Lord. Um, there's going to be some follow-up that you need to do, right? And we already talked about that, that we need to commit to the long haul and commit to actually uh, discipling people and not just leaving them be, right? So, oh, great, you came to know the Lord? All right, well, good luck, buddy. See you never, <laughs> you know, like, um, we got to invest, right? The investment in their lives continues after they come to know Christ as well, right? So we're not just trying to see how many people you can brag about. That's not it at all, right? It's so that you can invest in their lives or at least partner them with someone, right, to invest in them, another Christian. So here's some follow-up things I want to cover real quick. Uh, number one, of course, pray for your new believing friend, right? So if you lead someone to Christ, man, pray for them. Pray with them, yes, but then continue. Continue to pray for their discipleship. Pray that the Lord would continue to reveal uh, what issues in their heart and sin is remaining in their heart that they need to deal with. Uh, just continue to pray for them. Number two, invite them to church and stress the importance of living the Christian life with other believers. Right? That's going to be really important because, as you guys hear me say a lot, the Christian life is never meant to be done alone. Right? So we, we need each other. And this new believer, I got news for you, they need, they need you. They need someone. They need a Christian. They need Christians, plural. They need a church community to belong to, uh, to really grow and walk with the Lord in their faith uh, over time. They, they've got to have that. That, that. that is God's design, by the way, right? That's not just a preacher saying that right now. That is the Lord. God, he tells us in his word, right, how important the church is. So invite them to church. Uh, and number three, if they don't have a Bible, buy them a good study Bible as a gift. I think that'd be really cool, right, for you uh, to spend a few bucks to get them a good study Bible if they don't have one, and just as a gift and say, hey, I'm, man, I'm so proud of you, and uh, I want to do this with you, and so here's a Bible for you. So, guys, I hope this series has been practical for you. I really do. And most of all, I hope you feel motivated. I hope you feel motivated and equipped to take the gospel message to those people in your circles of influence of whose salvation you are unsure of.